You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit Irreverent FM for more content from my friends. Hello, hello, and welcome to Bad Words, an evangelical podcast where we give toxic theology the read that it deserves by taking another look at some of the books that have been given major influence in evangelical Christianity. This season, we are reading Wild at Heart by John Eldridge and Captivating by John and Stacey Eldridge, losing the plot on manhood and womanhood one chapter at a time. I am your host, Janice Legata, and I'll be ripping up this week's chapter with a good member of the Bad Book Club. Co-host, introduce yourself, please. I'm Deanna. Um, my pronouns are she, her, and I like to run on trails and run to the top of mountains and things like that. Excellent. So we'll get started with the reading of the opening paragraph. We'll have a discussion and then hear the closing paragraph and send you on your way. For additional context and conversation and the option to listen to these episodes with no ads, I invite you to join the people of Jod by becoming a Jodly or Jod willing patron on Patreon. But either way, I'm happy you're here and I hope you're ready because without further ado, let's get into... Captivating. Chapter 2. My parents named me after Saint Anastasia, a woman martyred for her faith in the 5th century, so that every week during Mass, my name would be read aloud when certain saints were commemorated. That's why Stacy is spelled so weirdly. Take off the Anna at the beginning and the A at the end, and Stacy is what you get. I love it. And there's a deeper reason. I learned about Anastasia while in elementary school. Not Saint Anastasia but a princess. The youngest daughter of the last Tsar of Russia, Anastasia was rumored to have escaped the assassins who murdered the rest of her family. She was a young girl when her family was executed, and it was said that she was still alive, somewhere out there in the world, incognito, a true princess in disguise. Tell me about Captivating. What is your history with this book? When did you first become aware that it existed? Well, as we just alluded to, I first read Wild at Heart. (laughs) Uh, I was in college. I went to a Christian college. You know, of course you hear about, oh, this wild at heart. And I'm like, well, I'm going to read that. And I really liked it. I was like, this is a great book. Later, I'm I'm married. I have two kids. Later, I said something to my husband about, this is a great book. And he's like, that's a book for men. You're not allowed to read it. You know, because he, I guess someone had given it to him. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, he's like, my pastor gave me this book, Wild at Heart. I'm like, oh, I love that book. He was like offended, you know. So I read the Wild at Heart book and I was like, this sounds like my life. I want adventure, you know, and all this stuff. And I was like, okay. So I was really into Wild at Heart. And also I I thought, oh, this explains why dudes are just like, I mean, this is when I was in my early 20s, right? Like 21. I'm like, this explains why the dudes are kind of crazy at my college, Christian college campus. Because that's what they're, how God made them to be, you know? I also think there were some other things going on that they were repressing a lot of things. So yeah, it was interesting, you know, Christian college, dorm life, all that. Uh, so I'm like, oh, this is why they act the way they act. I thought it just explained things. So when Captivating came out, you know, women's Bible studies are doing it. And I was like, oh, this is the book for the women. I should read this. And I thought Stacy wrote it. I was like, oh, it's his wife wrote this one to the women. And I honestly can't even remember my reactions to it. But I remember Wild at Heart. I remember talking about it with my girlfriends. I was like Sporty Spice, right? I ran track in college. I, I played soccer. So I was talking to one of my girlfriends who went to a different Christian college, played softball. And I was like, isn't this such a cool book, Wild at Heart? I'm like, could it be us? We're like, tomboy, right? Like, I was straight tomboy growing up. So, uh, yeah, so then I read Captivating. I have no memories about it because clearly it didn't, <laughs> it didn't affect my life at all. So how did you feel about the prospect of reading it current day? 
Yeah, I knew it would be horrible, but I thought this will be good. You know, I'm in therapy, so I'm like, this will be good to unpack the toxic things that were drilled into my brain for, you know, whatever, 30 years of evangelicalism. So I thought, yeah, this will be good for me to like revisit this kind of, you know, make sure that I've like uprooted all that junk. All right. So what chapter did you have and what was it about? Uh, so I had chapter two, which I think was the worst one that you gave me, Janice. I think it's the worst, <laughs> and it was the longest, but maybe not. I, it's definitely not the longest. I definitely know that. And as for the worst, that's so subjective, and I wish, I wish it was. But, I mean, this, it's only chapter two, and this book builds. There's, there's so much more. But can confirm, it's, it's bad. Yeah, so, you know, I, I'm a teacher, so I, I, I made annotations and took notes on my printout, and there was quite a few, like, puke, eye roll, OMG, this is horrible, um, and then it kept getting worse. So, you know, pretty much he has his, his big, well, first of all, I thought Stacy wrote it, still. Right. And then I'm reading the book, and I'm like, oh, no, Stacy wrote, like, a two-page introduction, and then John went on to tell us, the purpose and the essence of women. He is going to help everyone yeah. understand why women are here on this world. And yeah, it was really strange. I was like, oh, this man is educating all the women on like how to be a woman or something. And then sometimes it, yeah. he acted like he was talking to men. And I'm like, you think men are reading this book? <laughs> like, I think he just <laughs> forgot. He forgot he wasn't ready wild at heart. And then he was like, oh, hey, guys, and guess what? Women are amazing. And I'm like, they're not reading the book. Yeah, because as I was reading through it, I'm like, yes, allegedly, Stacy wrote this book. But then it got to a point in maybe like the fourth paragraph where it said we, and it started talking about we. And then I was like, wait, who is writing this? Because she definitely started it because she's talking about her name. But then it's not clear, like, when it switches. And then John does say, oh, John here. And I'm like, I think it was John before this. And then... I don't know. What would you say, what percentage of this chapter was written by John and what, how much by Stacy? Okay, well, I'm a, I am a math and science person. I teach science, actually. So this is based off of my printing, however it printed. So if there's, whatever, 19 pages, Stacy wrote page one, Stacy wrote page two, and then mm -hmm. John wrote page three through 19. Mm -hmm. So let's round, two out of 20. That's 10%. So Stacy wrote 10%. She basically gave an intro, and then John wrote 90%. He wrote everything else, I'm pretty sure. And then in the very end, he the very last paragraph in closing, which I actually felt like was maybe added in the revised version, because this is the revised and expanded the five years later. It sounded like, in closing, and then he uses we again. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but he wrote that. So yeah, Stacey wrote 10%. And she didn't get to teach any. She didn't get to teach us about what the Bible says about women. She didn't, she just got to do an introduction. And then here, John, you teach the world or actually you teach women about women. About women. And yeah. Yeah. One thing I love about, about doing this first season and this season is that I just randomly assign the chapters based on when people are available. But every time, like it's like the perfect chapter for the person. So I love that you're science and math and we're here talking about <laughs> creation the beginning the beginning of women yeah and i think i mean oh there's so much so much to say here do you do you have any particular path you definitely want to go down and talking about this because i have 
so many notes and I have a few places where I wrote, ew, oh my God, no. So what, what was the first thing that like elicited a reaction? You had, you you would kind of summarize like the premise of the book, like every woman wants to be romanced, an irreplaceable role in a great adventure and a beauty to unveil. So John hits on these three things, but mostly this chapter is about the third one, the beauty to unveil. There's like lots and lots and lots and lots of pages about that. And he uses the creation story as like his foundation to teach us. He says, we, we can't understand women without understanding Eve and her role. So that's kind of his main thing here is like, I'm going to teach you how to understand women, but really I'm just going to show you what the Bible says and then we're going to understand it all. And then we can get to this. There are a lot of sexual innuendos. There are a lot of things that he's talking about and I'm like, oh my goodness. And like innuendos and also just explicit sex. Like now he's talking about sex. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just out of nowhere. Yeah, out of nowhere. Just... So, yeah, I let's let's see what the beginning. Do we want to talk about Stacy's like two pages? I don't know if that's... I mean, I feel like we should. We got to give the girl something. Like, I guess thanks for showing up, Stacy. But I will say, I at this point, and I'm cynical about all things, but I believe captivating was is just a cash grab. It was purely because everything that this book is based on, he wrote in Wild at Heart. So Stacy couldn't have even brought her own thoughts to this because he already laid out these three things. Here's the three things men want. And oh, by the way, you know, in Wild at Heart, here's the th- three things that women want. So I think that book did so well. And they're like, ooh, you've got to write the companion piece. And I've already said what the three things are. So here we go. And Stacy, I'll drag you in. And yeah, we'll say you wrote it too. But really, this is just... I think using a woman against women to tell women. Yeah, what and to like do. I get Stacey's trying to like also say like you know she says she's talking about women can be all different they can do all different things they can play outside and be athletic and they can be a poet and they can be rock climbers so she's trying to be this cool like hip Colorado woman I don't know like in the about the authors I know this was something later on but she made a comment in the about the authors and she goes Stacy is drawn to the beauty of the west and prefers being outside in her garden to t- inside tending her home she loves her precious family deep conversations the wind the woods her dog someone else doing the dishes a good movie a good cry and most of all you know and then goes on so like I was laughing because she's basically like, Mm -hmm. I don't really like these gender roles that I have to like. She's like, just so you know, I like to be outside too. And I'm like, cool, me too. Can we all just be wild at heart? (laughs) I mean, I I don't agree with wild at heart either, but like, I think she's like, I I, want to be wild at heart too. Yeah. But it's, these books are so weird because it's like, why, why, why? At the end of the day, if you, Stacey, are kicking against everything this book is saying, and then having to say, no, but I also like to go outside. Of course, gardening is on the approved list of things to do, so that's that's helpful. But, you know, this chapter opens with all this princess talk. And both of them, both John, <laughs> in both books, loves, loves movies and takes everything back to movies. And then, you know, this whole Cinderella story. And I'm like, yeah. But girls, we also gravitate to what's available. Because then if you look at kind of things that Disney is doing now, and if you look at something like Encanto, where McDonald's, the one flowery sister, 
And they're like, oh, everyone's everyone's going to want this. So they made too much of that and didn't make enough of Louisa, the strong sister. And then all the girls were gravitating towards that. And so it's like, it's not that it's not that women are just born wanting to be a princess, a flowery, flowery princess. We all watch what is available. And yeah, that stuff is influential. And it can make you think, oh, that's that's what I'm supposed to be. But given other options, other girls choose other options. We're not all cut from the same little yeah and I mean I think people in our generation right like you said those newer Disney movies like we're adults right and back then you're right like the Disney movies were princess someday my prince will come and he's gonna sweep you off your feet save you and they lived happily ever after you know and the evangelical church you know they they push that hard someday your godly husband will come you know and just keep scrubbing the floors of your pastor's house until you get swept away to the ball because I did that <laughs> you know they're like if you build God's house he'll build your house and that 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 uh, <laughs> I know that imagery of like you know someone's going to come and sweep you off your feet and whatever like that was ingrained into us through these movies and I think most people would be like those Disney movies there's just no one thinks like Disney had the answer to, to to who women are in whatever the 80s and 90s 80s 70s I don't even know and so yeah this whole right. princess thing they're like of course like every woman wants to be a princess and I'm like ah uh. I mean I was a tomboy so I never wanted to be a princess I never want to wear a dress Someone gave me like a Barbie at my like sixth birthday and I cried Mm -hmm. and threw it on the ground. And my mom's like, hey, 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 let's like, let's just pretend. And I was like, why would they give me a Barbie? Don't they know? (laughs) I was so devastated. So yeah, she starts with this whole princess and she's like, every, every woman just, you know, is just awakened by watching Disney princess movies and You know, she talks about, like, thinking about this story of Princess Anastasia. So I'm going to read this quote. It says, Perhaps I, too, was part of a royalty, but my position had been lost. Perhaps I, too, was in disguise. My heart quickened at the thought of being a woman who was once a true princess. I don't think I'm alone in this. Have you ever wondered why the Cinderella story keeps haunting us? Uh, (laughs) Janice, have you been haunted? (laughs) I personally have not. And then, like, she names all these, think of all the movies made along this thing. Movies like Pretty Woman, Ever After, A Cinderella Story, Made in Manhattan, and Enchanted. And, like, in all of these, these are all twists on the Cinderella story. And in every one of these, and especially if you're going to start with Pretty Woman, like, these are, the point of these stories is that these are working women. And these are, especially like Ever After and Enchanted, they are kicking against this idea and both of them like in those movies they meet the prince and then don't even like him or fight with him or like like it's it's much more to the journey than just oh I'm living in my stepmother's house and this man comes to rescue me like I think it's it's an ever after where the prince does come to rescue her and she's already rescued herself so these stories yeah the themes are there but all of these modern day twists on it are all basically taking away the being rescued. These are spunky women who have been put in a position where someone is trying to hold them down, and then they're like, nope. And yeah, a prince happens to come along, but they've already rescued themselves. So it's like, did you did you watch these movies? And is it what part what part of the Cinderella story is actually haunting people? I don't think it's the wanting to be a princess. 
I think it's just wanting to not be under a cruel stepmother's care or not wanting to have to be something you're not for the sake of someone else. So they get so close and then just miss, miss, lose the plot. You know what's crazy about the Cinderella story? As you're talking, so like I've been analyzing, you know, evangelical trauma and they told us this, like work hard in the house of God. Like we really were like Cinderella, right? Like work hard, Mm -hmm. do this, do this, like volunteer. I did a two year internship where I paid for it, right? I paid them so that I could, Mm -hmm. you know, do whatever. And, you know, we weren't allowed to date. So it was like, you're going to put in this time and then God's going to provide And then a bunch of my friends, like we all did it, right? And then we all just, you know, married the first Christian guy that we fell for. And then everyone left the church after they got their man. They're like, oh, actually, this is toxic. I'm going to go. So in some ways, a lot of us did find our prince. And it was like, oh, cool. Like, I'm exiting. Don't need y'all anymore, evil stepmother. You know, and some of those marriages are good and some are not and some whatever, but... A lot of my friends were like, oh, I got a husband now. Okay, now we're going to move to Idaho. And then you can kind of like reassess what you want to do with your life. But the single girls, they kind of felt trapped. They're like, I have to like stay. This is my social circle. This is my everything. I'm just going to stay here for a long time. So yeah, I don't think the prince was the answer, you know, but like, I just thought it was funny that a lot of my friends, they got out when they got married because they're like, meh. I have my person now and the church, eh, I don't want to clean your floors anymore. Right, right. And so much of Christianity, if you look at it, looked at in a certain lens, like we are the stepchildren, right? Trying to earn, earn our way into this royalty that allegedly we have or have access to, but not really. So, all right, Stacey, maybe you're right. Maybe we are haunted by the Cinderella story, but just in a completely different way. But what the hell does it mean? Like, she talks about, we're reminded of Pasquale's metaphor that our unmet longings and unrequited desires are, in fact, quote, the miseries of a dethroned monarch. I underline that. So I'm like, (laughs) so you're telling me I'm supposed to be a queen and a princess over what? Like over my house? Over what? Over what? Right. Like and who? Like okay, yeah, sure. Like I'm a mom. I have two kids. I gotta keep shit together. But like, if I tell myself like I'm the queen of this house, I'm like I don't really believe in monarchy or like ruling as a dictator. Like, I actually respect my kids, and I'd be like, what do you want to do? You know? And if I'm the queen, just uh, it just seems strange. I'm on my run, and I'm like, oh, I'm the queen of this trail (laughs) like what what does it mean practically to be the be a queen in god's given role what do you think janice no i i underline that because there's this obsession this obsession with power with title with position and practically like you said what what does that even mean because we can't we can't all be kings and queens because if everyone is a king and queen then no one is and i'm fine with that So then we just need to take that away because, yeah, as a queen, if we are all, you know, the miseries of a dethroned monarch, what have I been dethroned from? Like, what, who am I queen over? And what does that mean? Because it feels like in this book and all this princess and queen talk, it feels like 
I would think queen would be a huge responsibility because I would be thinking about it like, oh, I'm responsible for all of these people, for their well-being, for, you know, making things work. But I feel like they're coming at it from just like, no, I'm a queen and all these people are responsible for me. This, this world is responsible to make me happy. How can these people be serving me? And that's, that's just gross because as the chapter goes on, like it's just talking about beauty and there's a part where he's just like, you know, the most beautiful thing is a woman at rest. And, you know, this is why you see all this art. So I'm like, it just wants to put women in this place where you are just a thing to be, to be looked at and to be used however suits as your king or your prince because this, none of this, you know, he even talks about, that's when you know this book is old, talk show host Dennis Prager. And he's talking about when there are macro issues like politics or finance, which a queen I think would be over, like if that's part of your job, then the callers will be Ed and Jack and Bill, you know, but men. But when the, type, when the topic is micro, involving hu- human relationships like dating, faithfulness, or children, like how is children, like that's micro? Like, that's crazy. Then then the callers will be Jane and Joe. Like, then women will call in and talk about. So, like, this is, this is crazy. Because, again, you're a queen. But don't worry about politics or finance. And micro? All you want to What does micro about. mean? Right. The, 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 like, lesser, the less important parts? The little things. The children. The small, the minutia. The, the children. Parenting. Feeding kids. Educating kids. <laughs> Micro issues. Things that will in no way affect politics or finance someday. So as a queen, you're just to busy yourself with, I guess, the job of just being beautiful and just adorning, you know, no the king. No one, is, no one has offered to pay me any taxes or anything to, like, uphold this lifestyle. I'm like, I'm the queen. How am I? Like, you want me to just rest and do nothing? Who's going to? Feed my kids. Like, who's gonna like pay the bills? So Stacy, like in that same two or her ten percent, she goes. She's like, we're gonna diagnose women and their problem. So I'll just read this. She goes, having listened to the hearts of women for many, many years, both in the context of friendship and in the counseling office, we are struck. Well, she throws in a we there. We are struck by how deeply and universally women struggle with their self worth. Quote. I feel like a household appliance, one woman confessed to us. So number one, that's an issue. And then now this is not to say that men don't also wrestle with their sense of worth, but there's something deeper to this struggle for women and far more universal. And there are reasons for it, reasons unique to Eve and her daughter. So basically she's saying the problem with women is they don't have a lot of self-worth or confidence or whatever. They just don't know. They don't know how wonderful they are. And they feel like household appliances. I go, well, who made them feel like a household appliance in the first place? Right. This is the patriarchy. Absolutely. And it's like, I would hope that a refrigerator doesn't mind being a refrigerator. Right? Like that a refrigerator would like, oh, I feel like a household appliance because that's, that's what I am. Women feel like that because that's not what we're meant to be. And yet, everything this chapter is about to tell us is that, I mean, you're best when you're just being looked at so find your place maybe it's not in the kitchen well it's not always in the kitchen because sometimes you will be needed in the bedroom Mm -hmm. um and sometimes you will be needed to take care of the micro issues like the children but yeah you feel like you don't know 
who you are because I guess because you haven't read this book yet and we're going to tell you who you are but you're not going to like that either because I don't know the world has already tricked you into thinking something else like it's I don't know it's just a big circle to me nothing nothing about this chapter would have made me walk away feeling like oh I am not a household appliance I am a painting or a sculpture <laughs> <laughs> or a princess or a queen. Better. Like if I walk around my house and I'm like, oh, dude, I do 90% of, I'm not, my, my husband is pretty egalitarian, but there's still like a mental, mental load. But like some of these women, they do everything, they do everything, mm-hmm. right? They do everything. And, and then, so now you're saying, why don't, why don't you believe in yourself? Or why don't you think you're beautiful? Like, like if, if, if a woman is like, I'm a queen, I'm beautiful, I'm a queen, like that's going to change that. She's doing everything, you know? And then you look at like single moms. They're taking care of their kids and half the time they're not getting child support. They're still doing everything. Her waking up and going, I'm a queen is not going to practically help her life. And I would hope that like our self-worth is us knowing who we are and being authentic and growing and setting boundaries and... Yeah, I think if if you're a woman in a marriage, that's pretty much like, you know, the Christian marriage where you're in a household appliance, you're being abused, you know, you're being taken advantage of, you're being used. That seems unhealthy. That seems like what we should not be doing. Right. So I, I underlined this little paragraph and I said, oh, I'm going to ask Deanna what she thinks of this. So most women define themselves in terms of their relationships and the quality they deem those relationships to have. I am a mother, a sister, a daughter, a friend, or I am alone. I'm not seeing anyone right now, or my children aren't calling, or my friends seem distant. This is not a weakness in women. It is a glory, a glory that reflects the heart of God. What it, What are your thoughts on that little little paragraph there? Yeah, so, you know, he's trying to say, like, guess what? If you can understand women, you can understand God and it'll bring you closer to God, which again, then I'm like, are you talking to men or women? You know? So this whole thing about like women are relational and God is relational. Isn't that wonderful? It just, it just seems like strange. It's like, yes, we're human though, right? Don't humans want to be connected to one another? And again, defining yourself just by someone else, like that's not healthy. I I should have my own here's who I am apart from my husband apart from my job I mean and I know that's all intertwined and whatnot but yeah she just kind of put it's like the stereotypical thing like women are women have lots of friends and men don't so men need women basically like you know like there's just like John's like yeah this is this is why we need women in the world because women know how to like talk to you and be like (laughs) care they know how to care and nurture which which again i think this is the patriarchy like men can do that too we no one was born you know i don't think of course i don't think we're like so vastly different so this whole chapter is talking about creation and eve and it's so it just felt so weird because like he does this big build up where oh look Look how it's this progressive, you know, things are getting better and better. And so women, women are the the crown, the crown of creation. But then it's like he attributes all these things to men. And then, oh, he had to create women so that they could be relational and they could reveal this, this part, this part of God. So it's like, is God 
so we're not, it seems like man is the fullness of God and then women are like these additional kind of elements. Like I would think if we were the crown of it all and we're the ultimate, I mean, I think men and women each have it all and it's just, you know, different ones of us display different, different aspects of God differently within ourselves, but I don't, I don't believe women are more relational than men, not in a healthy state. Like I think men should have friendships and they should be able to talk about their feelings and with other men or with women. Like, I don't think that's, you know, a manly thing, a great healthy manly thing to be like, no, I am warrior and I just want to hurt and kill things. And now we have women over here to show, oh, the softer, you know, and, and more petty aspects of God, right? Like the whole jealousy thing and whatever, like going into all of that. And so it's like, on one hand, women, oh, they're, God kept creating and he kept making things better and better. But then at the same time, not really, because we're going to say that women are the crown of creation as opposed to the head of it, because that would be a very, very different conversation. So it's much easier to just say, oh no, they're this final, this final little set piece, this final little decoration, this final little adornment. And it just feels so, so patronizing, so patriarchal, and then just so dishonest. Yep. Don't tell me things are getting better and better, and then just cut it off at men. And yeah, here's women, and they're great, but really they're just they're just a decoration. A few little aspects that God forgot to put into man for some reason. And instead of giving women everything that men have, in addition to these things, he just gave them these things. So aren't they... Aren't they cute and funny and mysterious? Well, and isn't the whole thing like the crown? It's like this piece of jewelry. Like, oh, look, it looks pretty. There it is. Like, just look pretty. Right. Look pretty there on the head of some man. And he this he talks about how creation reveals women for like pages and pages. And he was trying. He was so flowery. You know what I mean? Like the words, all these words, like how it unfolded and where it reached its climax. And the mist or the mysteries worth unveiling. And then he gets really like weird. Like he's like the breathless moment in the dark doing this whole thing. Like, oh, this was like one of these like, oh, what is what is he saying? Uh, He, God, then he moves back over them again for a second passes, begins to fill in color, detail, finer lines. And like he puts some verses and then he's like, it's becoming more intricate, more intimate. And it's just so like. Like you said, he builds this whole thing. The woman is the crescendo, you know, like he's trying to build this whole imagery. And I'm just like, this is so strange. He's just going and going and going. And then he's like, and women are amazing. But like, we also remember that like, then women are blamed for like everything because Eve took the fruit. (laughs) Like, I think he's like, I'm going to redeem you guys. Like, you guys have seen Eve as like this creature who, you know, was the great Jezebel or whatever and now I'm gonna tell you how amazing Eve was before all that bad stuff happened and I'm like oh I still remember what y'all talk about like we're the we're the you know and remember we're only in chapter two so trust and believe the fall is coming and that's why this can't be the worst chapter oh my gosh because they're nice to us in this one yeah in this one he's like look y'all are amazing Eve is amazing you're a crown 
you're a crown, right? A beautiful, beautiful crown. It's so bad. He's just going and going and going. And then at the very end of like this whole like creation, crescendo, stunning. He says now woman is like a stunning Greek sculpture. Like, so he goes back to like, you're a pretty statue to look at. And she's breathtaking. And, and then at the very end, then he tells us to say something. Which I don't want to do, but I'm going to read it just because it's horrible. You know, he's like, she fills a place in the world. Nothing and no one else can fill. So again, that's kind of what you were saying, right? Like, okay, she's like this little piece, like this puzzle piece imagery mm-hmm. versus like we all have the divine within right. us. Right. The full, you know, the full divinity. Like, do we have half the Holy Spirit and they have half or actually they have like 75%? And so like, it just doesn't make sense. But yeah, it's this whole puzzle piece imagery, which was popular in the 90s, right? Like you complete me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so he says to this, like, she fills a place in the world. Uh, nothing and no one else can fill. Step up to a window, ladies, if you can. <laughs> Do you have a window, Janice? I have a window. <laughs> okay, but better still, find some place with a view. Look out across the earth and say to yourselves, quote, this is what we're supposed to say. The whole vast world was incomplete without me. Creation reached its finish- finishing touches in me. Like, oh. Do you want to say that? Will that make you feel better about your, your life? It's so patronizing because why, why can't men say that? Like, we should all be able to say that. Creation, creation found its finishing touch in me. But also, not really because life goes on and we keep creating and people keep being born and this thing goes on. So it found its, I am part of creation and I needed to be here for this moment. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. And that's not just because I'm a woman. That's just because I'm here in this moment. And I think that goes that goes for everyone. But just this idea, like, he's like, you guys are so special that I have to do all this extra work to show you that you're special. It's not enough that you're here and, you know, you're just living life and doing your thing. No, life doesn't seem great right now, but it's because you're so wonderful. And you're so amazing. And you don't know how amazing you are because you think you're too amazing, actually. Because you (laughs) want to do all these other things that you're not supposed to do. The world has tricked you into thinking your beauty is not enough. You should just be able to be a statue. And that should be enough for you. And that should be enough for the world. And you're sad because it's not. And we're like, but I don't. I don't want to be a statue. Yeah, me neither, Janice. Me neither. (laughs) But also, like, creation will go on without humans. It's so human-centric. Well, you know what I mean? It's like, you're going to rule creation. I'm like, are we? Because right now we're kind of destroying it. And also, you know, if, if we all go, and of course I believe creation existed before humans. That's even biblical, right? but for maybe longer mm-hmm. than six days. Right. Right. And like creation pre-existed us and was just fine. It's, it's so human centric. Like, guess what? God made these mountains for you, Janice. So like you could look at them, <laughs> you know? Well, that was part of, and again, didn't know you were a science chick, but this is, this is perfect. He's talking about nature, nature, nature. First way we know this is through nature. The world God has given us, blah, 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 whatever. Nature is not primarily functional. It is primarily beautiful. Stop for a moment and let that sink in. And I said, I don't think this is true. Is this true? 
the purpose of nature is just to be something pretty to look at. I'm like, we are sustained by nature. We are sustained by the food that we can grow, by the sunlight that brings energy to our solar panels. We will we would die if we lived on any other planet in our solar system, which those planets exist without women being there to complete it, you know? And the galaxies exist without women being there to complete it. And like, maybe we should just like, maybe we need to go and get our own planet. Like, is this, I mean, it's kind of Mormonism, right? Like we're going to go and colonize a planet. Also, I don't, I don't know if we colonization of the universe is what I feel called to. I think I, I think I, that, that one you just read, I think I was like, okay, like it's so, he's like, I'm like, are you talking about God? Are you talking about women? Like it's all intertwined. I'm like, so basically like that tells me like women are to be looked at. Again, that's his key point, right? Women are like nature. It's not about function. It's about beauty. And I'm like, okay, but who's going to get everything done? Right. I'm like, cool. I'd be cool to just go hang out in nature. I'd be cool to like. I mean, that's what I like to do in my free time, right? I was like, hey, can I go backpack by myself for multiple days? My husband's like, okay. (laughs) You know, I would love to do that more, but I have responsibilities. So it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And nature, yes, if we, if we blow this world up, we will die. You know what I mean? If we destroy this world, we will die. Beautiful We also could get hit by, you know, another meteor, right? What was that? What was that movie? Uh. Don't look up. You know, it was like coming. Yeah, because like there's a meteor Uh in uh, 65 million years ago that that hit. And, you know, then it was like a global dust storm and the dinosaurs died and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, well, you know, we actually kind of need the resources, the natural resources to live. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely was like, what the heck is he talking about? And like somehow like nature's beautiful. I mean, his big thing is like, Women are like nature. They're beautiful and they make you feel nice. And then women are like statues. They're beautiful and they're nice to look at. And that makes you feel nice too. Like, oh, it just makes you feel nice. And I'm like, okay, this is horrible. This is, this makes me want to puke. And I I wrote the word puke all, all over the place, you know? Yeah, I wrote a big, ew where he's talking about the soldier at war and the nurse is like, is there anything I can do for you? And he's like, can you put on lipstick and let me watch? <laughs> oh, and no. I was like, this is. <laughs> and I'm like, this book is Yeah, disgusting. and then John talks about when his friend died. Do you remember that? It was like towards the end. It's under like why beauty matters. So he's talking about beauty and he has like beauty nourishes. Oh, yeah. Beauty comforts, beauty inspires, right? So this is where beauty is transcendent. This is where it gets really sexual. This whole, maybe we should talk about this whole thing because that's where I put a lot of, this is really getting gross. He's like, beauty nourishes. It's a kind of food our souls crave. A woman's breast is among the loveliest of all of God's work. And he starts talking about boobs and I'm like, oh my gosh. And then he's like, beauty comforts. Okay. There's something profoundly healing about it. Have you ever wondered why we send flowers to the bereaved? In the midst of their suffering and loss, only a gift of beauty says enough or says it right. After I lost my dearest friend Brent, there were months when only beauty helped. I could not hear the words of counsel. I could not read or even pray. Only beauty helped. That's right before this story of the guy at the war. 
only beauty helped, yeah. right, means his wife had sex with him. Like, let's just mm-hmm. say, only beauty helped. Nothing could comfort me except for sex. Yeah. And, like, we've heard this theme before, right? Like, I think it's in the Bible, right? Like, right. that, like, oh, you yeah. comforted the man after something hard yeah. is you had sex with him. You made yourself available to him. Right. So he's saying only beauty helped. And I'm like, oh my God, the innuendos. And like, I'm like, are we talking about God or women? Or like, is it weird to talk about God sexually? And that's, that's strange to me. Like this whole, like women and God are like the same. And I know like, you know, I grew up in like Song of Solomon and you're like, yeah, God and sex. And it just, it, now I'm like, this seems really weird. And they're like kind of telling you like, you can have a relationship with God, just like your relationship with women, except this isn't written for men, but he's telling women like it is for men. Cause we are right. right? This says we are, our ultimate goal is to be for men. Cause we are, it's for men. Yeah. Beauty nourishes. So we've just come off of this. Nature is not primarily functional primarily beautiful so yeah a woman's breast is among the loveliest of all god's works and it is with the breast that she nourishes a baby a stunning picture of the way beauty itself nourishes us so like you're even gonna like you're making this weird dude like no <laughs> in this breasts are primarily functional this is a function it does not matter what a, the baby does not care the baby is not like oh this is beautiful you're making this weird yeah sir and how, who, the woman's breast is among the loveliest of all of God's work? Uh, like, according to who? Like, and honestly, by the end of this chapter, I was like, this is, this is a beautiful ad for becoming a lesbian, honestly. <laughs> what, men for what? For what? Like, you have made men seem awful. And like, women, I mean, he's not wrong. Women are beautiful. And women are amazing. And why, as a woman, what what is man offering at this point? Because what for? I don't know. And then if I go back to, like, me reading this in my early 20s, before I had dated, before I got married and had kids and realized, like, oh, this shit is hard, you know? It's so flowery. And it's like, okay, sure, I guess this is what I'm supposed to be. But you don't realize how much it sucks, you know, when you have to live in as a household appliance or as a statue with boobs or whatever. Beautiful, Um, beautiful boobs. That's the crown of creation in John's eyes, I guess. (laughs) Oh, and the first one. Okay, this was even, this was like the worst section, probably one of the worst sections of this bigger section because right before all that, he goes, beauty also invites. Recall what it's like to hear a truly beautiful piece of music. It captures you. That goes back to the title. Like women are meant to be captivating. Who are we captivating? Mm-hmm. We're, we're, you know, we're, right. we're captivating men. We're entertaining men. We're, you know, like it's us in relation to, I mean, I don't think the mountains are captivated by me when I run. They're not like, <laughs> oh my God, you ran up to the top and took a selfie. I've never seen anyone run like that. That's, you know, I I ain't like the dwarfs. I'm not singing to the mountain and it responds to me like it's not working, you know? Sorry, Lord of the Rings. So that was my favorite book growing up, Lord of the Rings. Because of the adventure. I am a wild heart girl. (laughs) Okay, so beauty invites. Oh, recall what it's like to hear a truly beautiful piece of music. It captures you. You want to sit down and drink it in. 
We buy the CD and play it many times over. Now let's replace this with women, right? This is not visual, showing us that beauty is deeper than looks. Music like this commands your attention, invites you to come more deeply into it. The same is true of a beautiful garden or scene in nature. You want to enter in, explore, partake of it, feast upon it. Oh my God, like puke. Like this is, I mean, it's so much sexual innuendo. Like you want to come into the garden because it's beautiful. And I'm like, oh my gosh, John, this is gross. Yeah. And like the garden, the garden is always open. Like the garden doesn't have anything to say about who's trampling through it. Like, and as, as, as a woman, as this thing of beauty, as this crown, like you are, you're like this living inanimate object and you're just there to be beautiful. And when the man needs nourishing, when the man needs comforting, when the man needs captivating, there you are. And here you, here you get to play your part in the beautiful nature of it all. The grand adventure, the human mission. I mean, whatever he says, like all these crazy things, like this is our grand adventure. This is it. Yeah. Like, cause we don't even want, we don't even want an adventure of our own. Like we just want a role. We just want to play a part in an adventure. So this is his adventure. And honestly, I'm just happy to be here. I'm lucky, blessed, fortunate to be here. And I'm inviting. <laughs> I'm inviting. Yeah. Well, right before this, he he goes into that whole I think you quoted it earlier about like a woman at rest that's the most beautiful woman and I'm like uh you know he starts to say like think about how crazy it is to be in traffic horns blaring people shouting obscenities exhaust pouring in your windows suffocating you then remember what it's like to come into a beautiful place a garden or a meadow or a quiet my addendum or a woman (laughs) you know a quiet beach there's room for your soul. It, it expands. You can breathe again. You can rest. It is good. All is well. I sit outside on a summer evening and just listen and behold and drink it all in. And my heart begins to quiet and peace begins to come into my soul. My heart tells me all will be well. Blah, blah, blah. And this is what beauty says. All will be well. And this is what it's like to be with a woman at rest. So this is us. This is us. All will be well. So if you're a man and you're with me, somehow my beauty makes everything fixed. All will be well. No pressure. Is it magic? Is it is it magic? Do I have like a magic? All will be well. Just like that. Because yeah, even that part where he's uh, horns blaring. Yeah, that whole part in the car. And I'm like, well, I can actually find rest in that too. With the right company. With the right music. I don't have to go. It's like if you're with the right person. If you're in the right mood. Like if I know I'm going to have to sit in traffic for an hour. That's not something, you know, mysterious and life ending to me. Like What? what am I to do here? It's like, no, I know I'm about to drive out of here at five o'clock. There's going to be traffic. So what can I do to make this better for me? For me, not for you. If I can, that's great. But that's not my job to make the world better for you. It's too much. It's too much. Like this, this really does put women in a place where as much as he says, you know, nature is not primarily functional. Our function is to be beautiful and make the world better for men. Not for ourselves, not even for the rest of creation, just for men. Because we, again, we're the crown. Mountains aren't trying to wear a crown. Trees are not trying to wear a crown. The traffic is not trying to wear a crown. Who's trying to wear a crown? Men. 
Yeah, he says, this is what it's like to be with a woman at rest, a woman comfortable in her feminine beauty. She's enjoyable to be with. She's lovely. In her presence, your heart stops holding its breath. You relax and believe once again that all will be well. And this is also why a woman who is striving is so disturbing. For a woman who is not at rest in her heart says to the world, all is not well. Things are not going to turn out all right. I'm like, all is not well in the world. There is a lot of messed up stuff going on. All is not well. What are you freaking talking about? There are a million issues that, you know, I feel strongly about in the world, you know? Yeah. And things need to change. There is oppression in the world. There is so many horrible things. And somehow, like, a woman who who is at rest, again, like, what's she doing? She's just hanging out? They were like, men do things and women are pretty. And I'm like... We're basically doing, we do way more than the majority in the world. I mean, think about it in the church, right? How much, how much, how much did our, the, our volunteer hours, you know, mm-hmm. the pastors were always asking us to babysit for free. They weren't asking the dudes once in a while. They'd yep. be like, Hey, how about you like drive me somewhere and I'll buy you some food and then you drive me back and I'm doing all this other stuff. I mean, we would get irritated. We'd be like, how come the dudes are like just praying extra long for somebody while we're like cleaning up, you know, and putting our church into a trailer when we were like out of school? Like, it'd be like, oh yeah, conveniently, they're like having a really long prayer session with someone at the altar. Right. Which, and they like keep opening their <laughs> eye and like looking, okay, we keep praying. Just checking how's things going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they're all standing around being beautiful. And we're over here working. It just makes no sense. Like, I'm like, this is not even, this is not even how the world works. Even in the evangelical world. I'm like, the women are, the women are busting their butts. Always. Always. But it, yeah. So it's like, what, what world is this book written in? Cause like, it doesn't, it doesn't take any, anything into account. Cause you know, they're talking about walking through the art galleries and she's, you know, oh, have you seen one painting of a naked man? So we're not going to have any conversations about who was making the art, who was getting into the galleries. Like, this is not the way the world is. This is just the way the world has been. Like, yes, you're going to see a lot of pictures of naked women because 98% of the artists were men, and that's what they were into. So there it is. That's not saying that women don't want to look at pictures of well-sculpted men. Like, that's beautiful, too. But... Women weren't given opportunities to make these things, so we don't have them, you know. And on the other hand, bear with us a moment, Eve just doesn't look right in a scene of brutal combat or chopping a tree down. (laughs) Says who? (laughs) Like, I would love either one of those pictures. That's something you don't want to see because you don't like that. But you're not all men. You're not all nature. And you don't just get to decide that this is the way things are the way things should be and that's it but that is what he has decided yeah it's pretty bad it's pretty bad is this where we rate it yeah yeah so who would you who would you say this book is for because allegedly it's for women and maybe it is maybe it's a certain time i mean I, I think it is for women so that they know the role this is for young women to be indoctrinated into like hey you're gonna stay in your lane but fluffing it up, like trying to like sandwich it with, you're the queen, you're beautiful. Like somehow that makes us feel better about being a garden that people can just come and enjoy or a statue or like 
you know, feeling good about us having boobs. So yeah, he like puts all this flowery, (laughs) flowery language. Like, you're so amazing. You're so beautiful. But like, I get it. Like when I'm 20 years old reading this book, I I don't understand life. I don't understand anything. And I'm like, oh, it it sounds kind of like fairy tale-ish and enchanting. And maybe that, maybe that like makes me feel excited. I don't know. But yeah, as an older woman reading this, I'm like, okay, it's just not real. So I think it's for young women, maybe not married or almost married, to indoctrinate them into playing this role, make sure they look pretty, make sure they, you know, comfort their husband a lot. And maybe maybe for a man to read it and for a man to, like, be more positive sometimes and say, you're really beautiful. Maybe he's like, yeah, men could read this too so they could understand women. But I don't think any man read the book. I know, I know one man who did, and he's going to be on a, a later episode, and that's going to be that's going to be good. But looking at this book from the perspective that everything is permissible, I can't stop any John from writing a bad book, but not everything is beneficial. On a scale from one to ten, with ten beneficial for everyone, it's great. Highly recommend. Go get it. Down to one harmful for everyone. No one should read this book. Where would you place captivating? based on chapter two yeah i think we just have to give it a one because it just reinforces these misogynistic gender norms and even if a man would benefit from this book i i don't think that's good for him he might think it's good for him but like i don't think living in that way is uh i don't think that's what he's called to you know that's not his highest calling to use a woman and you know make a woman his object of beauty hard agree yeah so instead of captivating what is something book movie podcast anything that is women constructed and or focused that you would recommend i'll have two things so i just watched the league of their own that was amazing i'm a sporty girl right so league of their own it was like a queer love fest it was beautiful it was just like It was great. It was amazing. The whole thing, it was well done. The acting, I was like crying. I'm like, this is great. So I would recommend that on a podcast. One of my favorite podcasts, I listen to the We Can Do Hard Things with Glennon Doyle and Abby Wambach. That's my other therapy. I call that my other therapy because, you know, it's Glennon, her sister and Abby, and then they invite guests and they just talk about life and the experience of being a woman and like the dialogue had it just comes to life because they're literally discussing things in real time and they're like oh my god that's why we do this or that's that and they have these different perspectives they're parents so there's some parenting stuff which of course like I like to hear because I'm a parent and I'm sure other people like are like oh whatever but um yeah I call that my other therapy because I listen to them and then I'm like oh like this is this is so good you know and Abby's like the sporty one so I'm like oh cool there's a sporty one and the sister Amanda, she's like the type A and I'm kind of type A too, you know? And then Glennon is like the Enneagram 4 or whatever, like so creative, right? Like you're a creative type, right? So like I'm like, I, I, I don't understand that. I don't understand. I'm like productivity, get stuff done, you know? So like I'm like, I need to understand that create those, you know, the people who are expressing the creative side of divinity you know like it's like okay you hear other people's perspective because Glennon says I'd rather just sit on the couch and rest that sounds great you know and I'm like we got to get stuff done and I'm like oh you know what maybe it is good to rest sometimes 
So we could do hard things. Most people have probably already heard of it because it's pretty popular, but it's great. Wonderful, wonderful suggestions. And that's that's it. Do you have any closing thoughts? I mean, I just I just think like it's kind of crazy that these random man wrote this whole book about what it means to be a woman, and and that it sold all this. It's it's this is their livelihood, right? Like this is what their company is. Like he's not a pastor. He's just right. He's a writer, I guess. You know, he's writing writing books and telling people like this is your purpose to be this woman. I mean, and not that these ideas of gender norms are new, but he just put this like flowery, adventury like spin on it and it's saying the same old thing. So I don't know. You know, I can't believe I was really into Wild at Heart, but I think I like the adventure part. <laughs> I'm like that was that book must have been horrible too, but like all I could remember about it was like the adventure and I'm like that sounds good but like I still have to take care of my kids every day and like I don't know life life is not so flowery like life is hard so now I'm like this is just a bunch of like fluffy fluff toxic gender norm stuff so um it was, it was good chatting about it with you I, f- I felt I feel like we had a lot in this chapter and I don't even I can't even read any more of it so thanks for opening it up to us normal people i was like wait like i could just be on a podcast it is very important for you to pause just now and ask yourself what did i hear them say we did not say that a woman is prized only for her good looks we did not say a woman is here merely to complete a man and therefore a single woman is somehow missing her destiny what we said was first that eve is the crown of creation there is something uniquely magnificent and powerful about a woman we tried to reveal the immeasurable dignity the holiness of your feminine heart by showing that it is God who longs for romance. It is God who longs to be our Ezer. It is God who reveals beauty as essential to life. You are the image bearer of this God. That is why you long for those things too. There is a radiance hidden in your heart that the world desperately needs. And that's that. Thank you for dropping in on the Bad Book Club. I certainly hope you had a better time listening than we did reading. Bad Words is an irreverent media podcast, the Legata Scratch production, and a God is not given side hustle. Produced by Janice Legata and made possible by the generous support of Jodly and Jodwilling patrons like Alex. Thank you, Alex. If you're enjoying this season, please let the people know by leaving a rating or a review on the podcast platform of your choice. And if you're looking for a better book experience, ask Amazon about The Grift of God and or The Divide by me, Janice Legata. And until we meet again, take care of you and be well. This has been an episode of Bad Words, but to finish up, here are some good ones. I think we need to heal from this book. I think we should heal from the misogynistic gender norms. I want, I want to see women set boundaries. I want to see women say, this is not okay, especially in Christian marriages. I want to see women actually be their own person. So yeah, I think everything in this book is what we need to be healed from.